Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us live. This is the Voice of Reason podcast, and today we have an extremely special episode for you guys. We have all kinds of different guests. And first and foremost, I want to introduce myself. My name is Sean Phillips. As always, I am joined by my two co-hosts, Mr. Andy Van Beber and the one and only Travis Kirkendall. Good evening, and that everybody. is not it. Today, we have several different guests who I will introduce, and then we will get the conversation kicking. First and foremost, we have Mr. Mike Vinson, a police officer from Bloomfield, Missouri. Mr. Clint Ware, a police officer in Pittsfield, Illinois. And Mr. David Greenwood, the sheriff of Pike County, Illinois. Gentlemen, how are the three of you doing this evening? Doing well. Doing good, thanks. Yeah, so good. Thank you. Good, good. Well, I will. And, I, 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 uh, I just I wanted to thank you guys all for being on tonight, and uh, just uh, so we kind of know what you guys know what our rules are. We really don't have any rules, except that we try to keep our. We work on Sean keeping his swearing to a minimum, but that's you know that's a work in progress. Um, but what we will do is we have a series of questions, and any kind, and please feel free at any time just to chime in on what your responses are going to be. And uh, just to give you guys a little bit of an introduction, uh, Vinny, we'll start with you. Um, why don't you just give us, a, each one of you guys will go with Vinny, and then uh, Sheriff will go to you, and then uh, Clint will end with you. Tell us a little bit about wh how long you've been in law enforcement um, and why you've gone into law enforcement, if you want to start with that. All right. Uh as Sean said, my name is Deputy Mike Vinson. I work for the Stoddard County Sheriff's Office down here in Bloomfield, Missouri. Uh, I've been in law enforcement approximately six years. I started in dispatch, and that's really where I got my knack for it and really, really wanted to start. Uh, I want, got the knack to go to the academy to go on the road and, and try and make a difference in the community down here. Uh, I've been in a total of six years, three in dispatch, almost three on the road. Uh, in my opinion, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. I, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy helping the people down here in Stoddard County as best as I can. Uh, that's just kind of a little bit about me. Great. Sheriff, if you would. Yeah, my name is Dave Greenwood. I'm uh, the sheriff of Pike County. I've been in law enforcement about 21 years. I started in the jail. I uh, worked there for about a year and a half and then got on the road. And about two and a half years ago, I was elected sheriff. And uh, uh, it's a, a great job. It's very fulfilling. Um, I, I couldn't really think of doing anything other than this. Um, how I got started in it was probably watching the Andy Griffith show, Barney Five. You know, he, he's. Awesome. Uh, but you do have bullets. You do have bullets in your gun, correct, Sheriff? I have one in my pocket. Okay. Well, that's all we need. <laughs> one in my pocket. All right. So uh, no. But uh, yeah, it, it's just a great job. Um, uh, I've, my grandfather was in law enforcement uh, um, for a little while and, and uh, who's also uh, Clint's great grandfather. Wow. So well, with that, Clint. All right, Clint. Yeah. <laughs> what an introduction, Dave. Thank you. Hey, hey. <laughs> Anything for I, you? Uh, yeah, my name is Clint Weir. I work for the Pittsfield City Police which is uh, a small department in, inside of Pike County where David is the sheriff. And I've been in law enforcement for about 13 years uh, total. Um, 
and uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of, I guess, regurgitate what those guys said. Uh, I love serving the community. I love helping people. And, um, there's no greater time than right now where we need, uh, law enforcement, uh, with, uh, ethics and morals. And I believe I have that. So that's why I'm here. Well, thank you. Uh, and I'll start out with this and I know we'll go back and forth between Travis and Sean and myself, but I think I just want to start out with fellas is just this, this question. You guys can answer this however you want to, in whatever order we won't go any specifics there. Um, but in 2021 i mean obviously sheriff you have the most law enforcement experience and going back to 2001 what do you think has become the greatest challenge for law enforcement especially on i mean not only on this level but on on all levels what do you think has been become the greatest challenge for you um probably the biggest challenge is the recent uh, goings on in, in in the country and you mentioned back to 2001, 2001, you know, you had 9-11. Law enforcement was uh, uh, in fire, was looked at as heroes. And uh, now it's just the opposite. Uh, for whatever reason, law enforcement's uh, being vilified right now. And, uh, you know, in Illinois, we have these new laws that are being passed. And um, be thankful in Missouri, you don't have those. Uh, hopefully they don't come your way. Um, but uh, that... The recent, uh, like I said, goings on are, are probably the biggest challenge right now. I mean, trying to uh, maneuver through these new laws that are being passed. Well, if you could expand on that a little bit, Sheriff, what kind of laws are you are you uh, having to deal with? Well, um, the the Illinois legislature just passed a huge bill, um, kind of in the middle of the night. Uh, it was at the end of January. And it's, it, it's really, um, some of it goes into effect, a lot of it goes into effect uh, July 1st. And it's, it's really gonna limit uh, law enforcement's ability to, to do the job um, with, with some of the issues that are in, or some of the things that are in the bill. Um, I don't have it in front of me, I probably should have, so I could uh, directly go to some of those, but um, it, it's, it's really gonna be a, a challenge uh, trying to get through this and we will we will uh you know do what we need to do uh, that's what we're here to do and and uh, we'll get through it but it, it's definitely going to be a big challenge so uh mike you're down in a different obviously in a different part of the country down there what uh what do you feel is your greatest challenge down in Stoddard county as a deputy down there well, down here and it's not just down here i mean the sheriff and and officer weir can attest to this your biggest obstacle in my opinion is you always have eyes on you everywhere you go you got eyes on you you have a camera pointed at you it doesn't matter what you do you have hundreds of thousands of eyes on you and you know it's it's a challenge anyway to do our job to the best of our ability not to mention dealing with some of the individuals that I've dealt with on a personal level down here that aren't, the, you know, exactly cooperative. And, and then, you know, you got six, seven, eight, nine, you know, sets of eyes on you. So, mm -hmm. and I hate to make it sound like, you know, 
you want to take it too far, but sometimes you have to go a little further than what you normally would. But you also got to kind of keep yourself in check Mm -hmm. because you've got all them eyes on you. You've got cameras pointed at you. People are always taking phones. I can't tell you how many calls I've been to where you get to and you look around and you got about 10 cell phones pointed at you. Yeah. Well, we'll, we're going to address that issue a little bit more later. Clint, what about you? What do you feel is your greatest challenge as a city police officer here in Pittsfield? Yeah, I'm echoing what those guys said again. uh, I think uh, Dave, obviously, as the sheriff, you know, here in Illinois, we're facing some uphill battles when it comes to our government. Um, Seems like uh, every time we feel like we're getting ahead, we go back. But uh, I would agree with a deputy from Missouri, the uh, fact that there's just so much pressure on law enforcement, um, added pressure as if we don't have enough pressure already, but there's added pressure knowing that um, no matter what you do, you're being watched and uh, officer safety. um, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that 20 years ago was any different, but 20 years ago was different. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fact that um, when you were responding or walking up to a vehicle or dealing with uh, um, dealing with situations, it was ju- it just was different than it is today. Um, a lot more, uh, a lot more um, safety, uh, a lot more safety issues that you really have to pay attention to as far as uh, officer safety and protecting each other. So, and we do have a couple of comments already. Uh, one of our co- obviously one of our listeners said uh, thank you for your service. And uh, Travis's brother, who is actually used to, uh, he has since retired from the force, but he is, he said, uh, St. Louis County Police Department, been there, done that, and appreciate all the men that in the blue, and I know how tough it is. So thank you, Cody, for uh, chiming in with us tonight. Um, I'll just ask one more, and then I'll let the fellows chime in. Um, and this may be getting deep into the meat right now, but we kind of touched about this already. Do you, and again, I'll just, whoever wants to go first, and maybe share if you can address this too, the... Do you think that police work in the last five years has become more politicized? And if so, why? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It has not really on the local level so much um, at the state and national level. um, I I think it is. Uh, The why is for simple political gain. Um, right now, um, obviously with the, the George Floyd, um, stuff going on and, and the other, um, shootings around the, uh, the, around the nation, um, it, uh, do you, do you feel like you have, I mean, obviously, I mean, how much control do you, uh, as sheriff, I mean, you, you, again, we go back to the, to the count, to the state legislature, how much do you feel? I mean, do you really feel like you're constrained more in a box than what you were 20 years ago? Yes, or about to be, um, with the, with the new bill that was passed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're just they're restricting. I don't even know if the right word is restricting. They're they're just. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it it's almost like they're setting police officers up in a trap to get, get them caught. Um, like they're one of, one of the things in the new bill, they're mandating body cameras, um, which is a good thing. We already have some body cameras going. 
But in that same bill, it states that an officer cannot use, but cannot view the body camera prior to writing the report. Okay. So it's, it's kind of the nonsense like that that's, uh, um, is, is really setting officers up for a fall. If an officer gets out of his car and does not activate his body camera, they can be charged with a class three felony um, of official misconduct. Um, again, it's things like that, that's setting officers up for a fall. And it just, it just seems like it's uh, being done on purpose. Um, and, and it goes back to that political uh, part of it. Uh, any, either one of you other fellows want to comment on that one, Clint or Vinny, do you guys feel that the, the job has been politicized more? Or how do you guys feel about that? Oh, absolutely. I agree with the sheriff. You know, you, you've got so much. I mean, you guys know as well as I do with the George Floyd ordeal, you know, and, and you can go, you know, with the, with the riots out on the West Coast. You're just, you're getting nowhere anymore. Your hands are tied when it comes to certain things. And, and you're kind of left to where you, you can't, you don't really know what to do. You know, you can't, you're being restricted on, on the job that you swore that you, you know, you protect and serve, but how can you do that when you're, you know, when you're being restricted on what you can and can't do? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it's, and I think it, it's, it's honestly, it's getting worse, you know, year by year, which, you know, I've only been on the road for three years, but I set dispatch for three years and I can tell a huge difference from when I first started in dispatch to now being on the road. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Clint, what do you think? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in agreement. I believe that, unfortunately, we probably have some politicians who are utilizing the horrific tragedies like uh, George Floyd and um, and such uh, for their political gain. Um, uh, all of those all of those scenarios, all of those circum situations, all of those um, instances are horrific tragedies and obviously should not be used for political gain, but unfortunately I think that they, uh, there's probably some government officials that are utilizing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean, you had a few, why don't you go ahead and ask a few there, pal? Yeah. One of the, one of the first things I wanted to ask you guys is when, when you witness, you know, a footage or when we see incidents where, um, law enforcement's in the wrong, uh, you know, being, you know, negligent and and not following the training that you guys actually receive. How frustrating is that? Just kind of knowing in the back of your head, like, shit, that, you know, my job's already hard. Now this comes out and, you know, where does your head go from there each, each time something comes out like this? Well, on, on, on my part, um, it's, it's it's just irritating. It's kind of if you go to the, the gun issue, I, I, I'm a big pro-gun guy. Every time you see another, they call them mass shootings, um, it's like, oh, no, here we go. You know, they're, they're going to clamp down a little bit more. Um, when you see these, uh, the, the George Floyd's a perfect example. Um, the, the images of that was horrible, you know. Um, I wasn't there. I can't say what was done, what was done wrong. It sure looked wrong. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 
they looked horrible. Um, and unfortunately, there's a, a human being that was killed. Um, and what the reason was, I, I don't have a clear picture on, on what the reason was. You know, it just depends on who you listen to. Um, but that, all that stuff, these shootings, just, they, they don't help. They, they hurt us all. I, I have to agree with the sheriff. You know, you, you they when I was in the academy, they they beat it into our head for five and a half months. Make sure you walk through your door and you go home at night. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, with the George Floyd's and the shootings and everything, you start thinking, well. Yeah, I need to make sure I go home at night, but what if I screw up? You know, what if what if I do something wrong and then you know like I said I like Sheriff said, I, I wasn't there the you know with the George Floyd thing. It did not look good at all. I mean, I, I don't know of course you know we can only go off of what we're told. And everybody who's anybody knows how the media is with, with what they want to say and what they don't, you know, or how they want to spin it. But it didn't look good. And therefore, then all eyes turn to you, no matter what you do. You, you, you know, you're, you have to pay for what happened miles and miles and miles away from you because mm-hmm. now it, it, you get the blowback of it. Well, that's what because I was, you're in the line. And I want to follow up with that real quick, Mike. If I can, if I could say this, do you feel that the not only and Sheriff mentioned this earlier about how he the obviously legislatures are putting you in a corner. Do you think that the media has? I mean, obviously, uh, I'll, I'll just use for example the the young lady up in Minneapolis who went uh, for her gun instead of her taser. I mean. I mean, honestly, could you speak to that? I mean, in the heat of the moment, is it, I mean, I'm obviously there is a way to get that confused, but how do you guys orient yourself in that way? And do you think the media is trying to paint her out to be a villain? You have to make the split second decision on what force you use. Uh, And it may be wrong and it may not. I mean, in in the heat of the moment when tensions are high, you know, your adrenaline's running 90 to nothing. And that, that goes back to the, you know, I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't get to see it. You know, I wasn't there with her. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. But you just have to make that right decision on your use of force. And then you have to justify that use of force. You always mm-hmm. have to explain later on why. I think what a lot of people seem to forget uh, when we look at situations like this is I can't say there, there, there's probably every single person in the world has experienced an event. And it doesn't even have to be something that involves like a physical confrontation. But everyone on earth has experienced an event where they leave it and they go, man, I should have done this different or I should have said this or I should have done this. Now, when when people rope – every single individual, every single police officer in the same boxes, you know, no one knows exactly what it's like in that fight or flight moment. You know, if you, you know, I've as a military police officer, and even when I was bouncing at at bars, you know, you, you never know 
what's going to happen. You never know what the situation is going to dictate. Uh, and unfortunately, there are further consequences when, you know, as opposed to how you react in a street fight or as opposed to being a law enforcement agent. But for every, you know, video that we see where something goes wrong, we've also seen hundreds of videos of where something goes wrong and the police officer ends up paying for their life or gets seriously hurt. Um, it sucks. No situation is the same. And, and that kind of brings up my next question is, you know, March of 2003, I believe was uh, a little incident that the military, uh, the army in particular had paid a lot for was the Abu Ghraib prison incident where military police officers uh, took photos um, and positioned uh, war prisoners that they had and horrific photos. And it was a really bad situation. Ever since that date, we've had, we've, at military police school uh, at Fort Leonard Wood, they've added a specific week of training just around that incident. What are some things that you guys might like to see added to, you know, um, whether it's, it's yearly training or added on at the academy or locally, what is some extra training that you guys could see added on uh, in your precincts and your departments that might actually benefit you guys? Clint, we'll let you talk. Hey, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think for, for our department, um, I think that some more, uh, maybe some training as far as, uh, just communication, um, talking a lot of, uh, a lot of our new cadets, younger, younger guys, uh, it seemed to, to struggle with just communicating. And I can't speak for all law enforcement, but I know that in uh, my time with, uh, with, with law enforcement, 90%, maybe even 95% of the situations I've been involved in are taken care of in, in verbal, in, in verbal judo, communication and talking. Um, now, I, again, uh, that's Pittsfield, Illinois, a town of 5,000, Pike County, 17,000. So, I mean, there's a lot of different cases, a lot of different situations, but I think more training when it comes to communication um, would benefit us a lot. Sheriff, what yeah. do you think? What do you think, Sheriff? Well, um, with the new bill, there's a lot of uh, issues in there with training and they're going to require more training. Some of the training, I think, is unnecessary, uh, the sensitivity type training and stuff. But I do agree with um, Clint on the communication thing. We have a major interstate going through Pike County, and a lot of the the, the contacts we make are from people um, uh, from Chicago, from you know different cities, and some training on you know we're uh, kind of to see the way other people see law enforcement. Somebody from the inner city, the way they may see me as a police officer and maybe try to understand how they see me so that helps me react to, to them you know um uh, so training like that i i guess would 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 help yeah yeah well that's the good thing about communication for in pittsfield i feel like you know when you deal with so many people that are just ripping a bunch of crystal meth probably five minutes of talking to them will probably bring them down to that that next level of a, ah, oh, yeah, shit, you're probably right. I 
I guess I won't hit her too many more times today. Yeah. <laughs> what today though? Travis, what do you got? Uh first of all, let me just say, gentlemen, thank you guys for your time. Uh, I know it's late here on a Monday night, but we really do appreciate it. Uh a couple questions I have for you guys. One being, you know, we're seeing the recent movements of police reform. People saying defund the police, demilitarize the police, uh, a lot of crazy reforms people are pushing for. Um, if you want to get into one, each one you can, but I'm just kind of curious what your all's thoughts are on it. Um, I, I think we all agree that defund the police isn't necessarily the answer, but uh, I'm a little curious on the demilitarize the police, uh, what your all's thoughts are on that. Because I know, obviously, it's a little different, Pike County, Illinois, versus here in Chicago, but um uh, just curious what your all's thoughts are on it from a professional standpoint. I, I think defunding the p- police is, is nonsense. I, I think if you went into those neighborhoods, some of the inner cities, and actually asked the residents there, um, do you want to defund the police? Do you want less police on the streets? I think they probably would say no. Um, so I, I think defunding is, is, uh, is nonsense, you know, when, it, when you hear people say that. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I just, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there where I was going. Um, so yeah, I'll just leave it there. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I agree with the sheriff. Um, I think it's just, it's ignorant, you know, and, and the problem with it is the majority of the people that are screaming defund the police, they're the first ones to pick up the phone and call when they need help. (laughs) Yep. Oh, come help me. You know, I got this going on. I got that going on. Joe blow down the street. Won't leave me alone. Well, you, you wanted to defund the police. Well, you know, but we'll be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I agree. I, I think it's ignorant. I think it's nonsense. Clint, what do you say? When, when you, uh, when you mentioned uh, demilitarize the police, are you just referring to uh, lowering the amount of equipment that police have as far as, semi-automatics flashbangs and things like that what do you yeah that seems to be the consensus of all the stuff i was reading about the movement um just kind of curious what your all's thoughts are on that i i um i guess maybe shooting from the hip here no pun intended um (laughs) i feel like um i feel like we're in we're in a world today where it seems like uh anything can happen and uh, I think that police need to have the uh, capability, the resource to uh, protect and to serve no matter uh, what um, comes their way. And if that means armored vehicles, if that means night vision scopes, if that means whatever, um, I think that they I think that we deserve to have the resources okay. necessary. Now, in Pittsfield, do we need an armored tank? Uh, not yet. Hell Yeah. um but but even maybe as close as 60 miles away in springfield illinois they may i don't know um we have we have semi-automatic weapons in our in our squads along with the sheriff um flashbangs um i don't have those but um so that's my thought so what do you guys believe is what and what what to you and again, Sheriff? I'm I'm going to pick on you a little bit here. What is what do you feel is the worst case scenario that that you can see happening with some of this new legislation coming down the line? 
Um, I, I think, um, I guess for a lack of a better word is nutting law enforcement. Mm. Uh, taking, sorry about that. No, um, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, making it not law enforcement, you know, law enforcement's a unique situation. I kind of understand why when, when somebody, when they see something bad on TV, they blame all cops. If, if a plumber does something wrong, you don't blame all plumbers or electricians. But law enforcement, we it's the only profession where uh, uh, we can walk up to somebody on the street and take all their rights away. And there's no other profession. A judge can't do that. Um, uh, pre- the president can't do that. So I, I understand, um, you know, people lumping everybody together. Um, but my biggest fear out of this legislation is, like I said, is, is taking um, not letting police do what they know they need to do, what they're trained to do. Um, we're now going to be trained by uh, state senators and state representatives who know absolutely nothing um, about law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead, Travis. I saw I cut you off. That's there. A, no, that's a really good point. Uh, I had one more question for you, gentlemen, and it's, it's kind of relation all the crazy stuff going on. Something people don't really talk about, and we hear about it in the military all the time, is like PTSD and the stuff that soldiers see and have to deal with. But you don't really hear about that with law enforcement, even though I know for a fact law enforcement see a lot of bad things and they are exposed to a lot of very stressful and crazy situations and. I was thinking about this today, and my question is: Does your uh, where you guys work at? Do they have programs in place to help officers who um, maybe need to talk to a counselor, or maybe they're having a lot of stuff going on just because work's just crazy? Like, is there programs in place to help officers? And can in I these chirp just a, a quick thing on top of that? Do these programs come with a stigma that sometimes they do within the military about seeking mental health um, counseling? In a small department like ours, um, really no stigma. It's, we're all pretty close. Um, if somebody needs help, um, yeah, they're going to get help. In our policy, it actually states that if they're involved in a shooting or something traumatic, um, yeah, they have to go through uh, some kind of, you know, talking to a counselor. Um, of course, those things don't happen a lot here, but they have. Um, but uh, yeah, there's really not much of a stigma, at least in our department. Mm-hmm. Good. Vinny, what do you got on this? That's the same way with our department, like Sheriff said with theirs. You know, we're all pretty close knit. We're pretty tight. Um, if you go through any kind of traumatic event like that, you have to go through, you know, through the evaluation and everything else. Um, several years ago, matter of fact, I won't name any names from my department, but I had a deputy when I was working dispatch. Uh, was running code to a call. Uh, he had a gentleman that was riding a, I believe, a moped of some kind, wearing earbuds, listening to music, really loud music. Somehow did not hear him running code, lights and sirens. That's neither here nor there. And crossed in front of the deputy on 25 Highway while he was running about 65, 70 mile an hour. And he struck him with his vehicle. Of course, it killed him, you know, and he had to go, you know, go to several doctors and 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 whatnot. And and I think it, it he's doing really well now. 
Uh, he don't work for us anymore. He works for another department. He's moved up the command chain. Uh, but I think it still affects him, you know, from time to time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, he don't really talk about it much. Every once in a while, we'll, he'll bring it up. But it does – things like that do affect you. And, and I haven't mm-hmm. luckily dealt with anything personally like that. Clint, Clint, what do you what do you think? Well, I know that uh, I know that statistics would show that law enforcement is maybe in the not maybe I know they're in the top five of suicide. Um, I think they're probably in the top maybe the top ten in divorce. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, there's statistics out there that show that it does it does wear on you. Uh, we usually don't show up to a scene and people are applauding. We're there. <laughs> right, right, right. So uh, most time, most of the time, people don't want to see us. And we got we, we have parents. Uh, we have parents that when we show up, they're telling their kids that we're going to take them to jail. And, you know, that's all fun. And and people laugh about it. And it's cute in the moment. But mm. I mean, that that wears on you, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. You guys like the New York Jets. You walk out there and everyone starts booing you. Like, oh, shit. (laughs) It's like our governor with the White Sox game. Uh, Go back to what Clint just said. I mean, I don't know how how these guys are, but I tell parents all the time, stop telling your children we're going to take them to jail. Yeah. You know, stop telling them we're going to take them to jail because they're not being good. What if they need us one of these days? What if they have to yeah. pick up the phone and call us for you because something's happened to you and they're scared to death to do it because you told them that we'll take them to jail if they're bad. Exactly. Right. I, I don't like, I just, I told several parents, please don't tell your kids that we're bad people and we'll take them to jail because they might need us one day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes depending on the parents, you look at the kid and you think, yeah, one day I probably will be taking him to jail. <laughs> just kidding. That's just a yeah. joke. Oh yeah. no. So, It'd be the best thing for him. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you guys look at this, and we and we can look at, I mean, there and there's tons of people who have their input on this. Do you, I mean? Don't we? Don't you think? Uh, one thing that really bothers me about this is is that we're not focusing on the fact of why these events happen in the first place. If you know the incident up in Minnesota, if the George Floyd's, if the Michael Brown down in Ferguson. Uh, you know, part of me, and this is where I get angry at stuff like this, is because when it comes down, the first thing that I want to tell these guys is don't break the law. Don't break the law. And what bothers me is, okay, we, we and, I, and I've read a ton of commentary from African-American leaders in different cities who, and I actually saw a video one of my students sent, sent to me the other day. He says, I don't, and this is a black man as black as it gets, and he's just like, I do not honor George Floyd. He broke the law. He was high on meth. He had tried to pass a bad check, and a police officer, he didn't take care of it properly, but, you, I mean, you know, there's part of me that says, yes, we should still have this person around, but at the same time, you broke the law. I mean, how do you? I mean, how do you approach that kind of criticism when somebody says, you know, they catch what they catch the first part. You know, you, like Michael, you were saying earlier, how you get there and everybody's got their cameras on. Okay, did they record ten seconds before when the crime was being committed? 
you know so no. and and i and i think that's a problem i mean how do you guys and i know clint you mentioned verbal judo and all this other stuff i mean when you come into the situation i mean and and you guys have all talked about coming in code three or coming in code and just like okay i mean what's going to be how do you get yourself ready for that mindset for these guys who have possibly broken the law and know that there's going to be those cameras waiting on you. I mean, how do you approach those situations? Well, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to, um, it's hard to answer that question uh, with all of the unfortunate situations out there. It's hard to, it's hard to put yourself in every scenario where someone's life was taken and, and, and come up with that statement if uh, they would have just followed the law. But here's the real, here's the truth. The truth is, uh, and I can't swear to every situation, but in most of the situations, if the person would have just listened to the police officer, the, the, the possible guarantee would be they're still alive at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, that's not a blanket statement that doesn't work in all the situations, but, um, if you look at, if you look at video, uh, horrific video, no doubt where police have made mistakes, many mistakes. Um, if you go back to the very beginning, um, of those scenarios, um, most of them were because the individual did not listen to the commands of the police. And Clint, that actually that actually echoes with one of our viewers tonight said, if you do break the law, comply and do, and do your time, you don't see very many people dying by police while complying. Uh, and I and I, I'm going to go ahead and play devil's advocate though. But, but if we look at the incident that happened in Virginia two weeks ago with the with the young lieutenant, I believe he was he was being pulled over. He was in uniform, and you know I look at that police officer. You, uh, I think Sean said his name was Officer Gutierrez, I believe, and. And it's not even a race thing. Something like that. Yeah. It, it was. I mean, he the the police officer was Latino. I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, why do you think that? And I I know you guys don't fall in this category, but I mean, what what would you hypothesize that the reason is why we do see a lot of race based? I mean, people. What's the, they say profiling? I mean. Do you feel that profiling is a real thing that happens in some departments or is that, I mean, is that by a region thing or what do you guys think about that? Uh, it's easy for people to scream race. It's just because it's there and everything that's been going on. It's the first thing they want to go to. It doesn't matter where you're at. You know, if you're white on white, white on black, black on black, it, it doesn't matter. It don't matter that, that race card. I've, I've dealt with people of all races and it doesn't matter if they're white, black, blue, orange, purple, yellow, it don't matter. They always end up pulling the race card. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a, it's it's an easy out mm-hmm. the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. It's an easy out for them. Mm-hmm. Sheriff, what do you yeah, think? Prof- profiling is actually a, a an actual part of law enforcement you need to profile sometimes if, if a call comes in you're looking for a black male wearing a red cap and a blue shirt you're not going to pull over a, a white male with no cap and a green shirt right you know so you, you, there's <laughs> there's reasons to profile mm-hmm. uh, but just blatant 
um, pulling over somebody because they're black or because they're Hispanic or because they're white. Um, yeah, that shouldn't happen, you know, in a perfect world. Mm -hmm. Did I just lose everybody there? Just... No, you're, we still have you. We still got you. Okay. My screen just went black. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah. And, 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 you know, back to the other question, um, about people obeying the laws. Yeah, that, that's true. If they don't break the laws, they're, um, none of this would happen if if that young man that was shot by the lady who thought she had the taser um if, if he would have just complied he would be alive right now right. you know he probably would have went posted bond and been out of jail mm -hmm. um but i remember when i first started on the road a sergeant uh pointed out some guys were visiting at the jail and he said he arrested his grandfather he arrested his dad and i arrested his son so some of this stuff is is things that law enforcement's not going to be able to handle a lot of these are family issues. These mm -hmm. sometimes these kids in, in these small um, towns here that are just stricken with poverty, or the inner cities. Um, sometimes you have families where these kids grow up thinking there's no what we think is a, a law that uh, that or that is illegal. They look at things as well. I was brought up, you know, the word, we don't look at that as illegal, and then I'm just going to follow what grandpa and dad did, and and, and uh, follow their footsteps. So. Uh, there's a lot more than uh, law enforcement can fix here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So where, what do you, how do you guys, what kind of presence do you all want to try to make? Do you, I mean, do you guys, so you mentioned young people, Sheriff, do you all try to target younger citizens when you see them to try to make, I mean, obviously I know what the answer is. This is probably more, but a silly question, but, what kind of relationship do you want to maintain or try to maintain with the younger generations? And start when they're little. Um, when you when an officer sees them on a, on the street, don't just walk by and ignore them. Just reach down and shake their hand, give them a high five, um, let them know that we're friendly. Also, do that with their parents. You know, say hi to their parents if they're walking with their parents. Let that kid see that interaction with law enforcement is not a bad thing, and and hopefully that can change things. We have a dare program. As a matter of fact. Clint's a dare officer, so he can probably um, expound more on that. But you know, you just doing these community things and getting involved with children, you know, hopefully it'll it'll change a, a couple minds. Yeah, when we said Clint, why don't you share with us a little bit about your time as a dare officer and how that how that has worked with the uh, with the um, being within the community and everything. Well, we're we're a blessed community because our community is pro police. Um, we have an incredible amount of people who love our, our law enforcement and they verbally state it, uh, not just verbally, but I mean, social media and things of that nature. But as far as school resource work, um, I mean, there's no greater time than now for law enforcement to be in the schools. And I think there's a, a mindset out there where people believe that having police in schools is, um, is not right. It, it, causes alarm or whatever the case may be. But uh, I've built so many great relationships with students uh, from, I don't know, third grade, fifth grade, and even uh, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors right now that will stop and talk to me along the roadway and have conversation with me and share, uh, share stuff that's going on in their lives with me. So mm -hmm. um, it's just an incredible, it's an incredible bridge to uh, that generation. So, in, uh, and Michael, I'll ask you this too. When, when you go to, 
since you're in and just to give everybody a little bit of a geography lesson down there in the in in the boot hill you have i mean you guys are pretty i mean i lived seven years of my life down there and it is once you get down below cape Girardeau, you're pretty much isolated out in the middle of nowhere there Oh, you, can it Missouri? Well, yeah. They uh, mm-hmm. they wear shoes down there. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So do you uh, do you do you guys? What kind of presence do you guys try to maintain within your youth community and stuff like that? We we have also have a dare program at our sheriff's department. Uh, we have two dare officers. Uh, we do, and when when they're doing the dare program and in the middle of the dare program Mm -hmm. we try to go as much as possible Uh, we make every effort to make stops at the schools during the day just to do a walk through school visit let the kids see you know that you're there know that you know that you're going to be there Mm -hmm. that you're close that you're watching the school um we do a lot of PR stuff with the kids too, mm-hmm. just different things in our community. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we have a pretty big county. Our county for down here is is pretty big. It's 840 square miles. So there's a lot of area to cover, mm-hmm. you know, and there's only eight of us on the road. Wow. So, oh, wow. So what, I mean, we, uh, does that affect, I mean, how does that affect your guys' response? I mean, as far as. And again, I'm speaking as somebody who lived there for a while, but I mean, let's say that you're down in, that you're down in uh, Dexter and you get a call to advance. I mean, I mean, what kind of response time? I mean, is that, is that, an, that obviously is probably another challenge that you guys have to face in a super isolated zone. It It is. It's a, our response times. You know, we, we usually don't have a whole lot of problems with our response times now it never fails that you can be in advance and get a call out in the county in Bernie, mm-hmm. you know, and you have one main highway that runs through the middle of this county and you know, as well as I do, that's 25 highway. Mm-hmm. And these other two guys that are on here can attest to, to it as well. Just because you're running that siren and them pretty lights on top of that car doesn't mean everybody's going to get out of your way. Right. Okay. Well, out there, you got to worry about deer and Bigfoot. Deer. Absolutely. Sean, I knew you had a couple more uh, questions you wanted to throw at him, too. So. Yeah. Well, the first thing, when he mentioned deer, that kind of brought it up. For you fellows in Illinois, now that um, marijuana is recreationally legal in the state, are, are you guys able to partake? Is the, the, hmm. is the, the county allow you guys to use it for medicinal purposes <laughs> no <laughs> sheriff it looks like you got some you got some some rules to change in the, in the yeah yeah for the, for the county. That, and, I, and i'll go ahead and i'll piggyback on that to one too with with the with the recreational re, with the approval of the rec and of course we have our dispensaries local and i know we have in barry we have a, a manufacturing plant there um what kind of new issues are you having to deal with with the legalization of that sheriff we'll start with you um you know it's it, right now um it's being treated almost like an illegal transportation of alcohol uh where mm. more arrests now are because of the way they're transporting it in the state of illinois it has to be in a scent proof container so if somebody's just carrying it in their rolled up baggie if they roll down the window you can smell it 
um, you know, it's obviously not in a scent proof container. It's kind of like when they roll down the window and you smell alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's treated the same way. It's pretty much the same statute um, and not the same statute, but it's treated the same way with the fines and, and, and all that as an illegal transportation of alcohol, mm-hmm. which is open container of alcohol in the vehicle. So are you guys, are you guys seeing an increase in those kind of arrests then since the legalization? No, oh, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Clint, what kind of challenges are you seeing on the city level with that? Yeah, this it's the same. It's the same. Uh, everybody thinks that, that it's uh, just because it's legal, they can uh, carry it. And uh, nine out of the 10 arrests for cannabis is because they don't have it in that scent proof, odor proof, child proof uh, container. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's really uh, the biggest problem that we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't see a massive, we don't see, we don't see a massive amount of cannabis being hauled through. Uh, it probably does, but mm-hmm. the problem straight lies to, in that law. Straight to Andy's house where he's higher than a giraffe's True. ass most days, True. but that's uh, <laughs> shush, shush, shush. It's pretty high. No, no yeah. so yeah. Well, no, you know, and I, I wanted to stay for especially like you guys out in Illinois. Most of the problems uh, and and law, you know, passing that you you see have are just coming straight from uh, Travis's. Lovely, lovely town of Chicago. That's I feel mm. like where most of the problems mm. stem there. That the trickle effect happens for you guys. Um, whenever uh, you know a, a big thing that we see, and uh, rarely do people in in big inner cities. I I feel like some of them just aren't. They don't get a grip on reality when it comes to more rural communities. You know, places in Europe have police officers and big metropolitan areas that patrol without weapons that, you know, they don't carry an actual, you know, gun on them whenever they're patrolling, but yet they still have, you know, QRF teams that are ready, uh, fully armed on the goes. Do you guys anticipate or would see in the, you know, near future here in the States where police officers might be become unarmed, um, while patrolling and, um, you know, do you see if that was to happen, would you see more of an increase of martial arts training uh, for you guys? Or do you see anything like that happening in your guys' area? I, I think that's something that uh, the legislature would love to see. Um, but I, I don't think it'll ever uh, come to fruition. I think it's 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 not uh, realistic to be able to do that. And nowadays, you know, the way things are mm-hmm. now. Um but, you know, like you mentioned, Chicago, they're treating downstate, everything south of I-80, the same as they are treating the, the, the cities and stuff up in, in uh, northern Illinois. Um, you know, I know we were talking about the schools. Um, there's actually pending legislation right now to take police officers out of schools. Oh my. For whatever reason, they don't like them up in Chicago. So they're telling us little rural communities that, you know, well, we don't need a dare officer at school because it's going to terrorize the kids. Uh, unless they, they will allow it if there's a, a crisis going on. But other than that, mm. um, but yeah, that stuff, I don't think it's going to ever come to reality. I know it would be a, a wish list on some uh, legislators. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think, I mean, and I, and I, I hate to beat this dead horse, but I mean, when I look at, when I, when I grew up in, and I grew up in a small town in central Illinois called Waverly, it's where I spent most of my formative years. I mean, we still had respect for the police officers. 
as a whole, I mean, and of course, Sheriff, I note that you're wearing your uh, your shirt, and I see a lot of those flags. How do you respond to the and I, and I and I am not one of these people who believe that, but I mean, I, like I saw a I saw a, a, a meme on Facebook one time that said racist starter kits. Uh, you know, one of them was the back, the blue, or the American flag. I mean, how do you respond to people who have that kind of mentality? I don't think, you know, you can get in arguments with with people, but you're not going to change their minds. You know, if, if they're that dead set on it, it's not even worth arguing about. Um, you know, you see on Facebook people um, trying to convince others of their political belief. It's just a waste of time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to change somebody's mind. Um, if, if they want to believe that, let them believe it. Um, you know, I, I there's no way I'm going to be able to change right. their mind. Right. You know. So, Mike, what is your, I mean, you're, again, you're down in the South and you're in very red country down there, Republican country. Uh, do you think that that, I mean, how do you perceive, I mean, is there that degree of animosity or do you see more of a, just it's, well, it's, we, we, we still abide by the police and we still follow the police and what kind of attitudes do you see in that part of the country down there? And there's a mixture down here. Um, and, you know, I hate to use the excuse with the George Floyds and the Michael Browns and everything else, but, I mean, it's affecting it. You know, it's affecting everybody, and it's affecting everybody all over the, all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, down here, it's, it's the same way. You know, you get a certain group of people, I guess you could say, um, that you know you're – you're going to have to deal with and you know, you're going to have trouble out of them because they just absolutely hate you. Mm-hmm. There, and I hate is a, a very strong word, but just, I mean, there's no other way to, there's no other way to, to say it. I mean, they just absolutely hate you mm-hmm. and that's fine. You know, I embrace it. If that's the way you are fine. So you know, I'm not going to try to change your mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sean, did you have some things else there? Well, I, I mean, the last thing, I mean, Andy, you got to understand, Kennett, Missouri got internet four months ago. So they're <laughs> just finding out that, you know, the George Floyd incident even just happened about two weeks ago. All right. So <laughs> cut, them, cut them some slack down there. Well, yeah. lucky uh, for me, that's another <laughs> hour south of here. So I don't have to worry about that in another county, too. So, <laughs> oh, so that's, that's nice. yeah, you don't have to go to old Cheryl Crow stomp the ground. So no, right. no. Well, uh, I guess, uh, you know, one, one of the quick things is I want to know exactly how much of an influence did a uh, Reno 911 have on you guys to become police officers <laughs> or or if you guys have any, you know, quick stories that you could speak on that, you know, as as the you know incident unfolded, you were like, this is straight out of an episode of Reno 911. Well, for me, it was more super troopers. So, <laughs> okay. yeah. I don't know. Lieutenant Dangle's pretty, he's pretty hip. I could see you rocking them shorts, Sheriff. I, I could That's see right. you rolling around new boot goofing. For sure. Hey, I tell you what, we have a guy, and I, I promise you, I'm not lying. We have a guy that works for us. He's a detective. And when he grows a mustache every once in a while, he could pass for for Ramathorn off Super Troopers, and I mean, like, to the T. Yeah. If, I, if I had a picture, I would show you. And I actually, kind of a funny story, 
when I worked in dispatch, he was going home one night. This is before he became a detective. I actually got him to say Car Ramrod Stoddard County over the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest thing ever. So that is good. And I will come up, I'll follow up with that too. So who did you guys put as who would you say was your greatest influence? I know, Sheriff, you said earlier your grandfather. Uh, who, who, do, who do you guys say is your greatest influence, or who, who, sh- who pushed you the most, or what, what factor the most made you want to become a law enforcement officer? Good question. Whoever wants to jump on it. Well, no, nobody ever pushed me. Um, it's just something. I didn't become a police officer till I was thirty-one. Um. But it's just like I mentioned before, my grandfather is just seeing how he lived, how he interacted with people, not just in law enforcement, just in everyday life. And uh, police work is something I've always wanted to do. So I I went for it when I was uh, 31. And and here I am. Mm -hmm. Vinny, how about you? I got into it when I was around 31. That's when I started a dispatch. And it didn't take me very long. When I started doing ride-alongs with my deputies, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. Man, I go to the calls with these guys, and, and the, the biggest the biggest thing for me was getting the support of my wife and my children. Mm-hmm. Man, you would not believe, and these guys can probably back me up on this, having the support of your family is just absolutely amazing, knowing what you're going to go through the late nights, the bad days, the good days. I mean, having that support is just, it makes a world of difference. But my biggest influence was, he's now my corporal. Uh, I would ride with him more than anything and go into calls with him because it it seemed like it never failed. Every time I would ride with him, we'd get some pretty serious calls and get to see him in the line of work. And I was hooked. Okay. Clint, how about you? Yeah, for me, I started law enforcement when I was 20. So, uh, and actually, uh, Sheriff Greenwood's the one that got me the job. I worked for the previous sheriff. And uh, I looked up to not only Sheriff Greenwood, but the previous sheriff. Um, but for me, I've always, uh, I, I want to continue to fight for what we have here in the United States of America because we are the greatest country on the planet. And even though it looks like we're a hot mess right now, uh, we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we uh, we wear this badge here, but there's guys that are overseas right now and they're wearing a badge and they're fighting for us. And, and we're, uh, yeah, I'm an American, I'm an American and I'm proud of it. And, um, and I'm going to, I think I get up every day just wanting to fight for that. Uh, maybe it's just in a small community, but um, I might not be able to change the whole world, but I can help change my world. And I think that's the attitude we need to have. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember uh, in, in colleges when I enlisted to be a military police officer, my plan specifically was to become a civilian police officer. And then I, I worked one of my first uh, Ferguson, you know, protests and incidents like that. And I said, ah, fuck that. These guys, these guys, <laughs> these guys do the work. I'm too bitch made for anything like that. So, uh, I can say I, I, from all of us, I can't speak on it enough. Um, thank you guys for everything that you do. Uh, I know it's not an easy job and, and there's a lot of times it seems to be, it can be a thankless job. And um, so 
seriously, thank you guys for taking time out of your, your busy schedules um, away from your families just to have this conversation with us. Before we sign off, is there anything you guys would like to say to uh, uh, any of our listeners or anything at all that you guys would like to add before we finish up? No, not for me. Yeah, just uh, I guess I guess my uh, my last tidbit for a listener out there would be uh, just sit down and have a conversation with a police officer. That doesn't hurt as much as you dis- maybe you disagree with them. Maybe you disagree with what's happening in, in, in our country. Maybe you disagree with law enforcement. But listen, uh, I've always said this uh, conversation is always better than condemnation. And uh just conversing and having a conversation with somebody. That's the problem with our country is uh, if you disagree with somebody, then you can't ever talk to them again. And that is so warped. Mm-hmm. So I would just tell listeners, have a conversation with a police officer. And you just addressed Clint right there that, and I kind of explained this to you guys before when I was messaging you guys, that is the point. And we, I'm so glad that you brought that up because this is a point of our podcast is to have the conversation we, and this, and that's my, that Sean and I, when we were having our brainchild over this podcast, you know, we've only been going since February, but when we discussed things in October was the ability to be able to have a conversation instead of just pointing that finger at the police or pointing that thing, you know, let's sit down and because I, that's with the advent of social media, with the advent of the cell phone, all that other stuff, I think we've forgotten how to, we're afraid to have that conversation. I'm glad you brought that point up. Uh, Vinny, you got anything you want to share or anything else? No, I, I agree with Clint. Uh, you know, sit down and have a conversation with one of us. Okay. You know, if, if 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 it strikes you and you get and you get a little bit of you know curiosity, jump in the car and go for a ride along. Put yourself in our shoes for for a couple hours. Just check it out. Mm-hmm. See what we got to deal with. See what we go through. Mm-hmm. You might change your perspective on things, mm. and bring some donuts with you if you do it. Absolutely, <laughs> I yes. completely agree yes, with that. I was I was just about to say, folks, make sure uh, <laughs> that you you do take your donuts and cat and and coffee to your local law enforcement because there's never there's never enough fat cops with caffeine addictions out there. We we always need <laughs> more, and uh, hey, man, I, I think that. I I didn't get that double chin right there, but not eating donuts. I promise you that. That's what that's from right there. You keep the you keep the gate the Casey's Bakery busy. I like that's it. That's right. I like it. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, thank you guys so much again. I'll I'll say it again. I'll say it a hundred times. Thank you for everything that you do um, to the boys out there in Illinois. I I I, I hope you guys get your uh, your marijuana smoking ability soon. Um, I'm still a National Guard soldier, so unfortunately for me, I will have to do without for the next five and a half years. However, I have a calendar. I'm counting down the days. But gentlemen, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for joining us. Um, for the folks at home, thank you all for sitting sitting through and giving us a listen. Make sure to follow us at the Voice of Reason Podcast 2021 on Facebook, Spotify, and on YouTube. Mr. Andy, uh, Travis, is there anything else you two would like to add to our listeners? Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us tonight. And thank you, uh, I want to especially thank Clint for being able to get Sheriff David Gruden on with us this evening. And to my former student, uh, Michael Vincent, buddy, it's good to see you after 17 years. You too, my friend. All right. Yeah, it was awesome having you guys on. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Thank Thanks you, guys. Guys.
All right. Well, we'll see you guys all next week. Thank you for listening to the Voice of Reason podcast.